Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you so much for being here today, watching or listening wherever you may be, available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. If you haven't done so already, Subscribe to our YouTube page, like this video, comment, share, spread the word. Locked on Blue Devils, your one-stop shop five days a week for all things Duke Athletics. Whatever podcast platform that you're listening on, press pause. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Type something out. The algorithms love a written review. Helps the ratings and that sort of thing, and I'd be very much so appreciative. Duke basketball had their hearts broken on Saturday night in the Final Four, a loss to the North Carolina Tar Heels, as we discussed on yesterday's program. We've got more of that conversation coming up today as my very good friend Matthew Travis from Busting Brackets joins us here on the podcast. Matthew, thanks for the time once again. We're recording this on Monday, so fully transparent. It's a Tuesday podcast. We are well aware of the fact that last night we saw Duke and we saw the, or excuse me, we saw Kansas and North Carolina go head to head in the national championship game. Uh, and Duke was not there. So uh, pretty unfortunate with everything that took place over the weekend. Hopefully by the time people listen to this, we have a uh, new national champion for the first time since 2008. But um, we'll see. Very unfortunate on Saturday night. I planned on being in Durham right now for the national championship game had Duke made it. But obviously that was not in the cards for the Blue Devils. And now for the first time since – Way before I was even a thought, we have a new head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. It's the John Trier era, and it's uh, it's time to kind of turn the page. But before we just do that, I, I do want to spend a little bit more time talking about the game. As again, this is a game that people are going to talk about for years and years and years to come. I thought maybe with time, I would be more appreciative of the fact that it was an all-time classic because it really was. That game was. Uh, I know Twitter likes to call games like that drunk or whatever crazy adjective. You want to throw out there that game was remarkable it had so many lead changes back and forth the largest lead for either side was seven points it was a game of runs all night long just unfortunately for Duke North Carolina made more plays down the stretch untimely free throw shooting for the Blue Devils who went 17 of fifth or excuse me 15 for 17 in last week's sweet 16 game they went 16 for 18 in the elite eight game but on Saturday in the Final Four, Duke went just 12 for 20 from the free throw line, 5 of 22 from three-point range. So you combine all of that together, and unfortunately Duke came out on the losing end of things. Are you to the point where you can appreciate how great of a basketball game that was, or does it still sting a little bit? I, I don't know. I, it, it'll probably it, – it might, it might take a while. It might never happen. But, I mean, with – about two minutes to go, or it might have. I think it was right after um, Wendell Moore hit the three, and we we went up a minute nineteen left. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that's when I tweeted, "This is the greatest game in college basketball history," and there's no debate about it because at that point, yeah, it was them because I said in the same tweet it was seventeen lead changes up to that point. It ended up with eighteen. When you talk about what led into that game, it was. First time Duke and UNC were ever playing in the tournament. It was the Final Four. It could have potentially been Coach K's last game, which obviously it ended up being Coach K's last game. 
but every single possible storyline was there leading up to this game. And people were like, oh, it's not going to live up to the hype. Duke is Duke should beat them hand without a problem. And that just wasn't the case. And it lived up to the hype and exceeded it. And it was probably the greatest game in college basketball history because of everything that was there, all the storylines that were there. But unfortunately, Duke fans won't be able to enjoy it because all we'll be able to think about forever is the fact that that was Coach K's last game or what could have been if we made free throws, if we made the big shot, if we made big plays, and if the refs made calls that went our way, if they don't call that foul that no one touched him and they ended up, they ended up getting free throws, we our lead turns into a deficit. And then the Wendell Moore continuation – or. Yeah, Trevor when, Keels. Trevor Keels, I'm sorry. If that if that's a bucket, Duke might be playing in the national championship game Monday night, but unfortunately none of those things happen, and UNC and Her- Herbert Davis in his first year as head coach are playing for the national championship. So, yeah, H- Hubert Davis making it there, defeating Coach K Hubert, twice yeah. uh, in, in the first season. For Duke, going into the game – uh, I tweeted about the fact that Duke had turned the basketball over more than their opponent in all four games. There was not a game where Duke took care of the basketball. Uh, it's also been known, I've, I've been tweeting this a good bit throughout the season, talked about it on yesterday's program. Duke had not lost a game yet when Trevor Keels had at least 13 points. The season he had 19 in the game against North Carolina. The turnovers, though, to go back to those, Duke only turned the basketball over four times. Four turnovers in the basketball game. North Carolina turned it over ten times, and they still found a way to pick up the win. That just goes to show it went back to the shooting numbers for Duke. North Carolina had the timely buckets. They doubled Duke in three-point baskets, which is a big difference there. And, uh, yeah, all those together, it's just a tough combination to overcome and win a game. I mean, UNC made made 10 threes. They had 30 points on threes alone. It's difficult to beat a team when they have that many threes. And Duke was right in it the entire game. I mean, there were, like I said, there were 18 lead changes. And Duke just couldn't get it done. And Duke, with, with the exception of their shooting from the free throws to really just everything in general, Duke played fantastic. They were pretty good on defense because the – the motto for this team the entire season has been if they step inside the three-point line, we're going to do everything we can to stop them, and we probably will. And because of it, Duke Duke's opponents at times have looked like the 2016 Warriors when they're knocking down every single three. Right. And it gives Duke problems because Duke continues to give them that shot because that's the defense they played. And they did the same thing on Saturday night, and UNC ended up making 10 threes, and the biggest shot of the night was Caleb Love's three at the end there, and it ended up getting them the victory. But the the big problem was Theo John and Mark Williams getting into foul trouble. Mark Williams played, what was it, four minutes in the first half because yep. he had two fouls, and it wasn't worth it for him to potentially get more. And Theo John stepped in and ended up getting, what was it, four, four fouls in the first half? Exactly, yep. So – it's difficult to play 
that level of defense where it's okay, we're going to stop you the second you step inside the three point line. If you're in foul trouble and you keep putting them at the free throw line, they're in the bonus and you create problems for yourself. And it's interesting because that's not who Duke has been all season. Duke typically doesn't get in foul trouble, but on Saturday night, that was the case. UNC and Hubert Davis did a great job of game planning for Duke and for that game on Saturday night. And, because of it, they're playing the national championship. Matthew Travis from Busting Brackets and a Field of 68 Podcast Network producer joining me here today on Locked on Blue Devils. In just a moment, let's talk a little bit more about the lasting legacy of Mike Krzyzewski as he walks away from the game after 42 seasons on the Duke sideline. Today's edition of Locked on Blue Devils is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the absolute best. I love it so much. It's my favorite protein bar as bars are covered in 100% chocolate, I'm not kidding, 100% real chocolate. Low-calorie, high-protein. You can replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to Built.com and scroll down to the macros chart, and you'll be blown away by everything you see. High in protein, low in calories. High in fiber, low in carbs. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. What you need to do is go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and get 15% off your order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Welcome back in to Locked On Blue Devils. Here, JJ Jackson hanging out with Matthew Travis from Busting Brackets. Matthew, let's talk a little bit now about the lasting legacy of Coach K. 42 years leading the Duke men's basketball team and now we're transitioning into a, a new era. But what will you remember, as you and I have said, our entire life, Coach K has been the head coach of Duke. Yeah, I mean, I've been a Duke fan since I lived in New York. And I moved to Nor- Charlotte, North Carolina when I was 12, 13. And the one, I, I wasn't excited to move to North Carolina. But the one thing I was excited about was being closer to Duke and hopefully meeting uh, all fellow Duke fans who love Coach K and the program as much as I did. Little did I know everyone in Charlotte and everyone in the state of North Carolina hates Duke because they're (laughs) all UNC fans. But I mean, he, and the one constant through the years has been coach K it's felt like we learn a new team every year. It felt like we had a new coaching staff every year because they all go to take head coaching jobs elsewhere. But the one constant has always been coach K And now that's not the case. And it's crazy to think that I tweeted this the other day. I I was fearing, I've been fearing his last game at Cameron since I became a Duke fan. And I've been fearing the last time he walks off the court as the head coach of Duke forever. And Saturday we experienced that and it kind of got mixed up in the fact that we were all upset and mad about the way the game went down. But the way I'll remember Coach K's legacy is just the GOAT. He, he simply put, he's a GOAT. He has the most wins of all time. He has the most na- tournament wins of all time. He doesn't have the most national championships. Obviously, that's Sean Wooden. But I was hoping he was going to add six. And it, the stage was set for him to perfectly – the only way it could have been any better was if Kansas was playing UNLV on the other side of the Final Four because <laughs> – then it's the same exact Final Four as 1991, his first national championship. And Duke, he would have had to beat Kansas 
who he beat in his first national championship. So that would have been cool to go out that way, but it's not going to tarnish how I remember Coach K. It's going to be a lot of happiness and unfortunately a lot of tears, but he is a GOAT, and I I think John Shire is going to do an incredible job. He's already doing a great job on the recruiting trail, and he's made his stamp on the Duke program before he even steps into that head chair as both a player and as a coach. So I'm excited for the next era, but very, very sad that we uh, have watched Coach K's last game as the head coach of Duke. And again, I, I reference some people talking about kind of the passion that goes into Duke basketball and, you know, all over the country, no matter where you're at, someone has an opinion on Duke basketball, which is just unbelievable. It speaks to how successful the program has been, how dominant they've been over the years. We're not going to see a coach in this position before 42 years at one school. What's crazy is that Bayheim has been there longer at Syracuse than Mike Krzyzewski has, and it seems like Bayheim's going to come back for another ride at Syracuse. But some people are just kind of no, no opinion whatsoever about the Syracuse Orange, and that's okay. That just shows you how dominant Duke has been, that uh, you've got to either love them or hate them. There is no middle ground when it comes to Duke basketball, and that's in large part thanks to what Coach K was able to do. He was able to win with four-year players. He was able to win with one-and-done players. The last Final Four team – that he had here, this team in 2022, his youngest team that he's ever, I mean, there were nobody really with tournament experience. What was it? 16 minutes combined. Maybe when you look at what Joey Baker did in 19 as a freshman and Theo John at Marquette for a game and Bates Jones coming over for Davidson and that team to go all the way to the final four. It it truly is uh, time heals all wounds and it will help a little bit. It's going to suck forever that it was the North Carolina Tar Heels that knocked Duke out of the NCAA tournament. But uh, we are going to have a lot to sort of smile back and reflect on. Yeah, and it, it's, it's, it really is a shame that this team is going to be remembered for two games. It's the last game at Cameron and then obviously this because – No kidding. For, I mean, they won the ACC regular season title for the first time since the 2009-2010 season, and that's when they shared it. But the last time they won it – straight up was 2006 i believe correct so for the first time in 16 years this team won the acc regular season title they obviously lost in the acc tournament title game but none of that is going to be remembered it's what nobody is going to remember the fact that duke beat gonzaga back in november and it, it's a shame because this was a really really special team i would put it probably in the top five of the, of the 2000s because you, I'd put them right up there with obviously the 2015, the 2010, and the 2001 title teams. But, I mean, other than maybe the 2018 team who didn't make the Final Four, it's hard to look at a team and say definitively they were better than the 2021-22 team because this was a really special team, and the fact that they won the ACC regular season title speaks to how special this team was and Nobody's going to remember that. It was the fact that they lost in Coach K's last home game and they lost in the Final Four in the first time they had ever played North Carolina in the tournament. And it sucks. I mean, Paolo Boncaro was one of my favorite players to watch in the Duke uniform. He's right up there with, obviously, the likes of J.J. Reddick, Grayson Allen, Zion Williamson, Marvin Bagley, and the rest of them. And it 
it, it really is a shame. And the next year's team is going to be a lot different. Obviously, Duke will probably have five players going to the yeah. draft and maybe a couple players transferring out. But I, I'm definitely really proud of what this team is able to do because there were times where nobody thought they could do it, including myself. I told you I didn't have Duke getting past the Sweet 16 because – what I had seen from the ACC tournament, they weren't capable of that. They lost to Virginia Tech, yes, but the games against Syracuse and Miami, Duke did not play well, and they didn't look like a team that was capable of getting out of a bracket that included Texas Tech, Gonzaga, and Arkansas. I, I wasn't worried about right. Arkansas, but I was worried about Gonzaga and Texas Tech, and Duke was able to get through that region and into the Final Four and unfortunately lose to North Carolina but that is still a successful season. That was We reached the Final Four for the first time in seven years, since 2015. And while Duke didn't win the national championship, and that sucks, and, and the added suckiness of losing to North Carolina, but this was a successful season, and there's not a, not a doubt in my mind that it was. Yeah, no doubt about that. We will uh, move forward with Duke basketball. John Shire now taking over as the head coach. First thing that Shire has to do is sit down and get final word from players on this year's team regarding their decisions going into next year as a part of the Duke University men's basketball team. I want to talk about that in just a moment. Today's edition of Lockdown Blue Devils is brought to you by our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championship odds, podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline can make you any line possible. We talked about it last week. They had lines as to how many times Mickey Krzyzewski, Coach K's wife, was going to be shown during the broadcast. I hope you took the under. It was actually very few. Not until the final media timeout did the broadcast show Mickey for the very first time. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Wrapping up today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson hanging out with Matthew Travis from Busting Brackets and a Field of 68 podcast producer. Matthew, tell me a little bit about Busting Brackets and what people can find if they uh, put that into their search bar. So we, we cover everything from recruiting to game, pre, game previews, game takeaways, and everything in between. And I've been writing a lot about, obviously, Duke and Coach K's journey and this being his last season. But we'll have a lot of we, – we talked today about our off-season coverage, what we're going to do. I'll have a lot of stuff previewing John Shire's first season as head coach, what he has to live up to with Hubert Davis being in the national championship game. And just because the offseason doesn't mean we're slowing down, we'll have a lot coming up, and I'm pretty excited about what's coming the offseason. Yeah, I can't wait to read it all. You do a great job. Again, right before the season ever got going, uh, Matthew, you put together a, a top 50 players to ever play for Coach K. That was one of our very first conversations here on Locked On Blue Devils, you can find that conversation on our podcast feed. And the best thing about the internet is that story never goes away. You can still find it at, uh, at Busting Brackets. So talking about John Shire, I mentioned decisions have to be made. Uh, to, to wrap us up here today, Matthew, I want to kind of walk through 
what you're thinking, what you're expecting. Again, we're recording this on Monday. We still haven't seen the national championship game played tonight between Kansas and North Carolina. But when you look at the five starters, uh, really we'll call it the six, right? The five starters plus Trevor Keels or the five starters plus Jeremy Roach from earlier in the season. Uh, What kind of decisions do you think those guys are going to make? The only one that I picture kind of being a question mark is Jeremy Roach. Jeremy Roach could stay. He could leave. I don't think any of the five of the other starters, when we really have six, are a question. I think they're all going to the draft, and they should. Obviously, Paolo is going to be a top three pick. A.J. Griffin might be a top ten pick. He'll definitely be a lottery pick. And then you have Mark Williams, Wendell Moore, and Trevor Keels, who – Wendell Moore and Mark Williams will will be they I haven't looked at mock drafts recently but I would imagine they're fringe first rounders and then Trevor Keels is probably a second rounder but I don't I, I don't know why any of them would come back I don't know what else they have to prove especially with the recruiting class coming in and what the the fact that they'll be fighting for minutes so I don't think it would make sense for any of them to come back. Obviously, I would love it if Trevor Keels made the decision to come back, but I don't think that makes sense for him with what Duke has coming in. So I would expect the five of them to end up going to the NBA draft, and like I said, they should. Um, but I, I think Jeremy Roach might be back. I He had a phenomenal tournament. He really did. But he wasn't that great in the AC in the regular season and I think he still has a lot more to prove, and he could pull Wendell Moore and not be great his sophomore year, but then come out his junior year and just be phenomenal. And right. I hope that's the case, and I hope he brings that leadership with him from this team and from last year's team as well and implements it next year's team, especially with John Shire in his first year as a head coach, and hopefully he helps to instill that Coach K mentality in this new young team next year, but um, we'll see. I, I think that is really the only decision that is left to be made. He might capitalize on the fact that he did have a good tournament and go into the G League and hope to make an NBA roster, but I, I, I think what's best for him is to come back to Duke next year while the other five, I think, should leave for the NBA. Duke has six freshmen recruit coming into the class next year. Obviously, the transfer portal is wild. Uh, the eligibility has come to a close for the likes of Bates Jones and Theo John. Joey Baker has a decision to make with his fifth year of COVID eligibility, whether or not he wants to enter the transfer portal or come back to Duke for another year. I think of the six, I'm in agreement. The consensus seems to be Jeremy Roach, the most likely to come back, which will be outstanding for him to be a leader. It would be his team next year for Duke if he were to come back and, and kind of run the show, lead the way for the Blue Devils at that point guard position. And then beyond that, just looking at draft projections, Paulo and AJ are as good as gone, and rightfully so. Those guys are going to be very, very coveted NBA prospects. I think Mark Williams' size is going to be really sought after at the next level. Trevor Keels, a really up and down year, but all in all, he's built very physically well. He's going to do well at the next level. And then it seems like Wendell Moore Jr., I don't know – that his stock can get higher. I don't know necessarily what the instant impact is going to be for Wendell at the NBA level next year, but I don't know that you can gain a whole lot by coming back to Duke other than, hey, I've got this NIL opportunity. Wendell has been 
crushing it in that regard. You could tell he absolutely loves Duke. A lot of people throw in shade at the Duke men's basketball team for walking off the floor as soon as the buzzer sounded and not shaking hands. Wendell Moore Jr. made sure to walk down the line and shake hands with every Carolina player. So I'd say Jeremy Roach most likely to come back, followed by, I don't know, I, I might put Wendell Moore Jr. there. And then I, Trevor I, would probably put Trevor Keel, I would probably put Trevor Keels a little above Wendell Moore. Okay, personally, you would flip those two. Okay. Yeah. But um, and you you talked about Wendell Moore there, and it's interesting if Duke wins that game, if they don't, if the refs don't call that ghost foul, and Caleb Love doesn't hit that three, and Duke does win that game, Wendell Moore might have had two of the most iconic shots in Duke basketball history. Yeah. Obviously, the shot against UNC a couple of years ago, and then the three that put Duke in the lead. And if Duke kept that lead and ended up winning the game. Those would be right up there with the obviously the Austin Rivers shot, and then also the Christian Leitner shot because the Christian Leitner shot was in the Elite Eight. This was in the Final Four, and it was against North Carolina, so that that might have been looked at at while it wasn't a buzzer beater. That might have been looked at as maybe a better shot than Christian Leitner's because everything that was leading into it, it was Coach K's last game. It was the first time they're ever playing North Carolina, and it's I hadn't thought about it from that angle. Yeah. But, it, it, I mean, seriously, if, if Duke wins that game, Wendell Moore is a Duke legend because of two shots, and they're both against North Carolina on two completely different stages. But it's, it's, it's crazy to think um, that what could have been had Duke won that game. Matthew Travis, you're amazing as always. I always do appreciate the time. And, and when you come on Locked on Blue Devils, I feel – uh, more educated, and I love going forward into my next conversations, talking hoops, because I feel like you've taught me something, and you've definitely done that again today. Uh, you're on Twitter, at Matthew J. Travis underscore, as you can see if you're watching us here on YouTube. But again, kind of plug what you got going on. Um, yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter. I, I was trying to point to I was pointing <laughs> to the wrong side. But yeah, Matthew J. Travis underscore, and um, I write for Busting Brackets like we talked about. You can find Duke, and I'm also a student at Alabama, so you can find Alabama content as well. And then I'm the producer for the Kansas podcast um, for Field of 68, and I know everyone listening to this is probably a big Kansas fan for Monday <laughs> night. Um, and hopefully by the time you're listening to this, they would have won a national championship. But, um, yeah, so um, that's what I've got going on, and hopefully you give me a follow-up. We'll talk to you soon, Matthew. I appreciate the time. Awesome. Thank you for having me. All right. That's Matthew Travis joining us here today on Locked On Blue Devils. And that's about going to wrap us up for today's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for making Locked On Blue Devils your first listen every single day. Go check out Locked On ACC. Here today, Candace Cooper does an amazing job. It's the Tuesday show. I'm really curious to learn what happened in last night's national championship game between Kansas and North Carolina. And I know that Candace is going to do a great job of breaking it all down. That'll do it for today's show. As always, go do. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.